Good morning. Welcome to the uh, CBC uh, Adult Sunday School. It's uh, February 27th, and uh, we will continue on in the five solos. So before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray, okay? Our gracious Father, we... Lord, we kind of privileged to come before you, Lord, uh, all these years after a Reformation where men uh, stood before you and they stood before the powers that be and they, uh, Lord, they staked their life on your faithfulness and the truth of your gospel and that uh, salvation comes alone through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, Lord. And I thank you that we stand on their shoulders and we benefit from them. I ask your blessing upon this class and that uh, you would use it, Lord, that you use my words and that uh, if there's any error in them, that your spirit would superintend and uh, would make things work. Lord, I ask your blessing on today in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to, again, the, uh, the uh, continuation of the five solas. Uh, this is the third week, and this is the second sola. We are uh, we have been working on the five solas of the Reformation. Uh, really, you know, it's the Reformation was really the recovery of the gospel. That that's what it was. Okay, it was recovery of the gospel because the church of that day. And there was only one church. It wasn't a certain time, but the church had lost it. It had become obscured. We're not baiting. This is, this is serious. Folks. We're not debating the numbers of angels that are on pinheads. We're not going to debate uh, insignificant things. This is really the gospel that we're talking about. To hold to the five souls of the Reformation is really to hold to the gospel. Okay? The five souls, my name, David Schlemme. My email address, you're welcome to write me with any questions. The phone number is the same one that's in the bulletin or in the uh, church directory. There's also a number, phone number in the back of the bulletin if you want to get a hold of me. And I, I welcome any, any questions or correspondence via email. Uh, Jimmy started us off with a, uh, a summary, introduction to the solas. Uh, Clifford last week spoke to what? Sola Fide. We got five solas. Sola fide, which is what Cliff covered, our justification, right standing before God, is by faith. We all know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Today we're going to be speaking about sola scriptura. And what we're going to talk about is our only infallible authority for faith and practice is scripture. And there we put a verse there, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed, breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Then, over the next three weeks, we'll follow on with gratia. We are saved by grace alone. Who saved us? God, who saved us and who called us to a holy calling? Not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It is grace that gave us salvation. Christo, right? We are saved 
through the merits and the work of Christ alone. We come to the cross. We come to God the Father through Christ. For there is, what, one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ, Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.5, right? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. No man comes to the Father but by me. As he said in John. Why? What is the purpose of all history? It's to the glory of God. To God alone be the glory. Romans 11.36 For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is... Well, that's the wrong quote. But Romans... <laughs> let's go... Yeah, I know, I, know, I know Ephesians, right? The first chapter of Ephesians... Right, the Father elects us according to the, for the glory of His grace. The Son saves us according to the glory of His grace, and the Holy Spirit then sanctifies us and preserves us unto the final salvation with the Father to the glory of His grace. We are saved. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in the person and work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to the authority of the Scriptures alone. Right. How can there be five solas when they're each solas, right? That was a question I was asking me this week. If there's five of them, why do we call them solas? Well, they all hang together. Okay? You can't break one off and have the rest. They all hang together. The two, if you want to call it the foundational articles or cause of Reformation, are what we talked about being faith or fide or scripture or scriptura. Last week, Clifford talked about sola fide, the material cause of the Reformation. Okay, the material cause. And I had a question, what, is, what does it mean, a material cause? Well, think about a statue, okay? It's, 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 it's the statue, or let's say it's a cake. All right, just kind of hold that. It's, that's the material. It's the stuff. It's the content, okay? We'll get that in just a minute. It is a sola fide is a material cause. It was the content of the Reformation. All right. Uh, the material cause of the Reformation that which fueled the argument with Rome. Okay, the argument was how are we justified? How are we made right by God, or with God? Martin Luther said this, right? Upon this article, sola fide, the church stands or falls. John Calvin said of fide, the hinge, this is the hinge upon, all, upon which all religion turns. And religion wasn't a bad word to them. Okay? Religion was God come, or man coming into communion with God. Okay? It is, the, it is the hinge. Why were these men willing to die for the sake of fide? Why were they willing to go to the stake? All right. Why were they willing to be drawn and quartered and chained to a stake and tied with wet ropes and burned? Why were they? What are you willing to die for? Are you willing to die for the gospel? I would trust our answer is yes. But based upon what? Based upon what? Faith, faith and faith? Blind faith? What are you willing to die for? 
Well, the basis, the authority upon which we, we stand is what we're going to talk about today. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone is our authority. It is the ultimate and final authority. So the five solas in gray, which you cannot see there, was fide. That was the content. That was the substance. It's what got Luther in trouble. Okay? Because he said, we are saved by, by faith alone. Not saved through penance. Remember we talked about last week where you're baptized in a church and you do penance your entire life? Right? Where your different graces come to you and in the end you... You go and you suffer a little more in purgatory before you're finally in the presence of God? No. Luther said we are made right by faith and faith in the work of Christ. Again, we are justified. Instead of saved, the word for saved is justified. Okay? We are justified. We are made right with God by grace alone. Sola fide was the, well, sola scriptura was the formal cause of the Reformation. Okay? It was the formal clause. It was the blueprint of the Reformation. You could say if Fide was the statue, the blueprint, right? The blueprint, the uh the authority, the the recipe. The recipe was scripture. Let's go back here here for a minute. Let's talk about formal causes, okay, just real quick. There's traditionally been five categories of cause, okay? The material cause, the substance of the Reformation. It's the article by which the Reformation stood or fell, the content, the statue, okay? Then we came up with Scriptura, the formal cause, the formal cause. It was the recipe, the pattern, the authority, the blueprint upon which the Reformation was founded. We stand authority ultimately on God's Word. Okay? Another cause is the efficient cause. Okay? The efficient cause. We say gratia, grace, is the efficient cause. It is what effected the Reformation. God in His mercy, God in His grace, restored the gospel to the church. Okay? It is the agent or the driving force. God's mercy, God's grace effected the Reformation for our salvation so that the gospel would be restored. Okay? Another cause of so the five soul, think of each of the soul is tied to a cause, is the instrumental cause. Alright? The instrumental cause is that chisel. Right? The inst- I'm sorry, yeah, the instrumental cause is that chisel. It is what makes the statue. Okay, it is the tool or the chisel that God's grace operated to bring about our salvation, to bring about the gospel. What is that? What was that tool? The blood of Christ, sola Christus. Christ was the implementing tool. He was the mediator between God and man. He was that conduit. Christ came. Christ lived. Christ died, and on the cross, He made us right. He is the efficient cause, and the final cause, the final cause which drives everything. What is the sola deo gloria? It is the ultimate cause for which all other causes exist. When we talk about cause, that, that's where that terminology is coming from. Okay? All right. The early church 
Okay, Sola Scriptura didn't pop up in 1517. It's something no one had ever heard before. Okay, the church has stood by it. Augusta of Hippo, these are the same ones that Jimmy put up. The established authority of Scripture must outweigh every other. Right? Gregory Nicaea, let the inspired Scriptures then be our umpire and the voted truth. They will be given to those dogmas or those teachings that are found to agree with divine words. That's important. Not that there aren't other dogmas, there aren't so other teachings, but they're only, they are only truth in that they agree with divine scripture, the divine words. Okay? Basil said we are not content simply because this is the tradition of the fathers. What is important is that the fathers followed the meaning of scripture. Okay? What's important that scripture that the fathers followed scripture. They weren't authoritative except that they spoke under scripture. The scripture in the early church, okay, in the early church, scripture was the sole source of revelation. Scripture was the final norm in the early church. This is not something new. It was the final norm for doctrine, right, teaching the truth, and practice, how we live our lives. Scripture was to be interpreted within the church and by the church, okay? Men just didn't run around out here on their own and come up with their own little thoughts and say, I got a Bible, this is what it said. No. You know, that's where we can put nice here, right? In the Trinity. You're not going to go find the Trinity, but the church met, the church established that there, that there was a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That's the church interpreting Scripture and coming to agreement. Okay, it's not individualistic. Scripture interpreted according to the regular understanding. Okay, that was that was that was common in the early church. But the church began to drift. Okay? The church began to drift. It began to drift as men wanted power, as they wanted money. I mean, all the things that cause people to drift today, that's why the church began to drift in the same way. Um, prior to the Reformation, there were uh, other men. There was uh, John Wycliffe. Okay, he stood against the church. He was in Angl- He was in England. He stood against the church, um, but he stood based upon Scripture. John Huss. He was burned at the stake. Okay, he took issue with one of the popes. Said he wasn't a legitimate pope. He took issue with indulgences, but in the end, when he was when he was sentenced to burn. He said, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, okay? He probably had a Czechoslovakian accent. He said, I'm willing to burn, essentially, if I can be convinced from Scripture. I mean, as, as long as what we're saying agrees with Scripture, I'm okay with it. But because it doesn't, I'm willing to stand by my teachings and stand by what I say, and I'm willing to burn and give my life. Okay? That was the foundation he stood on. The foundation we stand on. Now we come to the time of Luther. Authority rested ultimately in the church. Okay? Authority rested in the church. Gospel truth was partly in tradition and partly in Scripture. There was some truth in tradition that you might have trouble finding in Scripture, right? 
perpetual virginity of Mary, uh, the bodily assumption of Mary, I'm think, uh, indulgences. Okay, that came from tradition. The mediation of Mary. Pray to Mary. Oh, Mary, mother of Jesus. The church established a final interpretation of Scripture. Okay, they established a final interpretation of Scripture. That's what gave rise to some of these things, some of these problems talking about. The Pope, the Magisterium, the Magisterium would have been the, the fathers from church history. Okay, the Pope, the Magisterium, tradition, and Scripture were could be infallible. Okay? And, and here's, here's important here. We're not going to talk about canonicity in this class, what determines what makes up our Bible. But the church established what was Scripture. Okay? By fiat. This is Scripture. This isn't Scripture. Therefore, the church was over Scripture. Okay? Whereas... Well, we come to it, and the idea of the canon is that we recognize what is God's Word. I'm, you know, I'm going to leave it at that. The, the, the issue is not to discuss it, but, but the point to understand is the church defined what was Scripture, what was authoritative, versus being submissive to what God's Word. So if something outside of Scripture maybe didn't agree, well, you reinterpreted something based on what the church said versus what Scripture said. So now we came to Luther, and I think it's real important to review this. Because um, when he stood before uh, uh, the council in Worms in 17 and declared his stand, remember what had just happened in the four previous years. He talked for three days, held a table talk or dinner at his house every night. He preached once, twice on Sunday, and he spent 15, 13 going through the Psalms. The next year, he went through Hebrews. He's teaching this in the university. He's preaching this on Sundays. He's, it's in the, from, from his classes during the day, the students are at his house in the evening, and this is where he's living. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids. He doesn't have a mortgage. This is where he's living. Day in, day out, morning, evening, and night. He's living in Hebrews. Then he spends a year living in Romans. He spends a year living in Galatians, an apologetic for what? Grace. God's grace. And at the end of that, at the end of these four years of concentrated study, he says, something's not matching up. And he writes his 95 theses, right? Tradition says he puts them to the, the wall of Wittenberg, the door of Wittenberg Castle, and it starts to debate. The firestorm has begun. Kind of Clifford, what I said to Clifford last week was, I, I bet you if each one of us said, you know, for the next four years, I'm going to make my year an in-depth study of Psalms and what it says about God wanting the sacrifices of a heart. And then I'm going to spend time in Hebrews and what it says about Christ to better meter. And then I'm going to spend my time in Romans for a year. And then I'm going to spend my time in Galatians for a year. That'd be, I think it'd be pretty powerful, right? Kind of like Luther. The Holy Spirit gives eyes, right? So, after that, there's not a, this, this saying, this is the one we know. Unless I'm convinced by the evidence of Scripture or by plain reason 
For I do not accept the authority of the Pope or the councils alone, since it is established that they often or have often erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures I have cited, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. God help me. Amen. In other words, God help me. I'm willing to burn. So be it. So this isn't, this isn't just Luther because he liked to pick fights and argue, right? This is, it wasn't in a vacuum that he came and he said that. He didn't ad- deny the authority of the church. His main complaint was against a view that Scripture could only be understood by a few and must be interpreted by the church. Luther asserted Scripture was its own authority, authority that it was above popes and councils. Okay, It is above popes and councils. So, that, that's the context that brings us to solo Scripture. So why could he go to the stake? Why was he willing to die for it? Not because he had faith in faith. Because he had been convicted by God's word. Okay? It's a reasoned faith. So how do we define Sola Scriptura? Sola Scriptura, the Bible, is the sole final authority. Okay? It is the ultimate authority for doctrine and life or faith and practice. Scripture is the sole and final authority for doctrine and life. The Bible is the ultimate authority for all of our faith and our practice. That's simply what Sola Scriptura is saying. No Pope, no Magisterium, no Tradition and Scripture. We're saying the Scripture alone is sufficient. And by the way, we're not saying we, we don't need... Pearl of Great Price. We don't need uh, the newest psychological Freudian hand, uh, textbook. We're saying Scripture alone is sufficient for all of our life and all of our faith. Okay, we're not saying it's the totality of truth. But what we need to do to live and to know as believers in Jesus Christ, the Scripture is sufficient. Okay. Yeah. Don, good question, right? I mean, kind of, you got different parts of the church talking about different canons. When it, uh, the year, I'm not. I think when it, I mean Augustine, pretty much, I think referred to the 66 we know, if I remember correctly. Well, Trent, it was going Trent. Trent is what dogmatized it or solidified it where the Catholic Church said. When Trent came, I don't think that we'll go. The, that, would that would have been after 1517. Trent met what six Trent met about six times, the Council of Trent. They were interrupted by wars and political issues. But in Trent, the Catholic Church took what Luther said and what the reformers were saying, and they answered them. And that's really where they marked it in st- the, the Catholic Church marked it in stone and said, this is authoritative. This is God's word. This can't be changed. Salvation is not by faith alone. Salvation comes through the church. 
Right? And if you don't agree, anathema to you. To hell with you. Right, exactly. Same thing with Mary. So, so all those, all those issues was really, they were an argument, but in Trent, they issued authoritative decrees. Yes, 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 thank you. So, we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and the personal work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, based upon the authority of Scripture alone. Sola Scriptura. So, the issue is really authority. What's our authority? Authority is the church? Was the authority God's Word? Now, according to classic Protestantism, the protesters, yes. Oh, I did have one question about that. So, <clears throat> I've heard that at one point uh, Luther questioned the canonicity of James, or that he—it's the right straw epistle, I think, right. was the quote. But he—he he he accepted it, and I—and I'm not a you know Luther scholar and all of it, but he, but he did accept James because it bumped up against the issue of, in his mind, he struggled with the issue of faith alone because James seemed to push the works. But he it, came it, to accept it's it. In the sense of, uh, uh, it's difficult to explain. It, it's the, the, right. Yeah, he uh, he said. Yeah, but I think he had. I know he said he goes. James was tough for him because it really made him work out his faith. Yeah. Exactly. All right, the authority, okay, authority according to us, Protestants. The church is the pillar and the ground of truth, okay? It buttresses the truth. It supports the truth. It's, it's not the truth, but the church is the buttress of it. Scripture claims to be truth, John seventeen seventeen. Let's see if I have this. I'll write down my text. John seventeen seventeen. Scripture claims to be truth. Okay, Jesus the Son. Pardon. Your word is truth. That's right. Jesus, the Son of God, claims to be truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So, thy word is truth. The Son is truth. Who's the incarnate Word of God? Scripture has final and unique authority because. God has unique and final authority. Scripture alone is completely the Word of God. It is God-breathed. Okay? Scripture alone is God-breathed. Um, let's see. When, when, when we're reading Scripture or a person stands up in the, in the worship meeting to read and he says, hear the Word of God, and he reads Scripture, that, that's okay. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's a very pronouncement. Hear the word of God. And when he reads, it is the very word of God that we're hearing. Okay? Second Peter 1.10 might be uh, good to put alongside of uh, good. Scripture. Has unique final authority because God has unique final authority. No prophecy. Second uh, Peter 1.10. Yeah. Uh, we have a more sure and perfect word, right? Right, holy men of God spoke through the Spirit. God moved them to write. Okay. 
the Reformers were not saying that there's no historic church. They weren't saying there's no creeds or no confessions. They weren't denying the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed or the Athanasian Creed or the Council of Chalcedon. They weren't denying any of these things. They weren't, they didn't, as a matter of fact, they came up with the Westminster Confession, the Belgic Confession, uh, the London Baptist Confession. These are good things in that they're under Scripture. They're not over Scripture. If they conflict, Scripture rules. They weren't saying that no teachers or elders were needed. Okay, what's Romans 10 say? How will they hear unless someone goes? How will they believe unless it's preached? Okay, so it, it takes preaching. It takes gifted men of God. And they weren't saying, my interpretation is authoritative. Which I think in the church today, that's what sola scripture means to us. What's authority, what's authoritative is my interpretation of it. Right? My, my liberty, the way I interpret scripture for my liberty, that's what's authoritative. Scripture is materially sufficient. Scripture is sufficient in all content for salvation. Everything we need to know for our salvation, for our Christian living, for our Christian understanding, is in the Holy Scripture. We need nothing else. Right? Scripture contains it. It has the stuff, the content we need. Scripture is materially sufficient. Not only is Scripture materially sufficient, it is formally sufficient. In other words, sufficient is sufficiently clear in and of itself. It needs no infallible interpretation. Someone doesn't have to come in and say, well, this is what it means. You compare that to the religions of today, Islam, Hindu, where it takes kind of an imam or a mystic to understand because it's not real clear. What we say is Scripture is formally sufficient. It needs no infallible And Quite frankly, this is where the Roman Catholic Church, this is where they get off the boat. Okay, The original of the Roman Catholic tradition was part of truth is in tradition, part of truth is in the Scripture. Okay, A little unclear in Trent. They said truth and... or truth and... Uh, Truth is contained in tradition and Scripture. Well, that could be a part and part where you need them both to add to it, or it could be that truth, the total truth is in both. A little question. Most Catholics hold today is that, yes, Scripture contains everything I need for the gospel, for salvation, but I've got to have the church define it. How else do I know James right, is in the canon? unless the church tells me. How am I supposed to know that? How am I supposed to know that Matthew wrote the book of Matthew unless the church tells me? Okay, well, church doesn't tell him. But that's the point. Uh, there's a fine balance that you have to walk here. Uh, I mean, uh, let me try to... Let me, Luther and the Reformers were uh, arguing for the priesthood of the believers. That is, you don't have to have a priest to tell you Scriptures are sufficiently clear for life and doctrine, but that doesn't mean that your interpretation 
correct interpretation. I mean, and, and that's where I get back to the what makes the scripture my my interpretation is not authoritative. Scripture is authoritative. The main things are the plain things. Scripture said, "Yeah, you're right. We, we've got to we have to interpret scripture within the context of the body of the historic church. Otherwise, every, Luther said, to paraphrase a quote: Everyone go to hell in their own way." Okay, that's he said. If everyone just kind of goes off their own way interpreting scripture, so but this you don't need tradition. I don't need a pope. I don't need somebody on high to pronounce what something means. Okay, you've got to apply good hermeneutics. You've got to apply good contextual principles. I mean, all these things are necessary. And I, I think that's. I think I'm agreeing with Don. Well, we'll go. You are. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no doctrinal statement. Dallas theological seminary doctrinal statement. Westminster Catechism. The whatever it is that the, the Methodists do. Uh, do. Those are those are guidelines. Yep. This is how other people have interpreted the scriptures, but ultimately it comes down to. You know. I, again, I think it's the main things or the plain. What, what is necessary for our salvation is sufficient. Philippians, first, uh, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. How many times do you hear that quoted? Football teams, uh, guys trying to climb mountains. Well, in context, just as an example, in context, what's Paul talking about? I can suffer joyfully in all things through Christ who strengthens me. In context, so that's kind of where the, you've got to apply right principles to interpretation of Scripture to get the right answer. We can, we can pull things out of context. But the point being, it doesn't need an infallible man from the line in the chair of Peter or some mystic on a mountain to pronounce to us what Scripture means. The church, God's people, the priesthood of the believers believers can understand the clarity of Scripture. Not just the believer running around. No, priests are the believers. Scripture is the only supernatural revelation that God now makes to men. It is sufficient to guide in all questions of faith, practice, and worship. So will Scripture. It is sufficient to guide in all questions of faith, practice, and worship. Warnings to not go beyond Scripture. Right? Jesus said, you know, God commanded honor your father and mother, but you add things to it so that you can break Scripture. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, 6. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, said Paul, that I may learn, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor against one another. Proverbs 30, 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. Why can we say sola scriptura? Why can we say sola scriptura? I'll go back to those after class if you want to write those down. Why can we, because they are not, that is not in your notes. Why can we say sola scriptura? Uh, I just wanted to ask you, like, what what you think about this, like, in the context of the early church, uh, when they didn't have a written New Testament, they beyond the written the the Old Testament which they had, they also relied upon 
what the apostles were teaching them. And that's would be when Paul talks about, you know, the tradition, right? So they're, they're, they're basically speaking to what the apostles told. Okay? I, I don't have any... In, in that it agreed with Scripture. If it didn't agree with Scripture, if it didn't agree with what Christ taught, you're right. I mean, that's, and we'll get to that in a minute because it was important that we do have it written now. And I'll, we'll go to that. Why can we still with Scripture? Scripture itself says it's inspired and infallible. Scripture itself says it is sufficient for faith and practice. Scripture itself says it is sufficiently clear. And Scripture itself says it is accept, accessible by, by all men. Scripture alone is inspired and fallible. It speaks in the name of God. Thus saith the Lord, 416 times in the Old Testament. The Lord said in the Old Testament, 249 times. Paul, when he spoke or when he wrote, he said, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's inspired by the, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus and the apostles always spoke of Scripture as authoritative. Jesus said, it is written 64 times in the New Testament. The Scripture says six times. And there's a number of verses right here that I've listed that should be in your notes, God willing. <laughs> uh, let's see, where else? All right, let's move on. Time. There they are. Abraham said, They have Moses and prophets. Let them hear them. Right? That's when they're in hell. He said, Well, let me send someone back from the dead. Abraham said, No, they got the Moses and prophets. They need to hear them. Right? You search the Scriptures because you think that in, th- that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about Me. Jesus, when He was asking the teachers of the law, He said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? There was the, the, what was written and how it was read was legitimate. It was God's Word. Scripture alone is sufficient for faith and practice. Deuteronomy 21, 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. Okay, that we may do all the words of this law. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. Breathed out by God. Scripture alone is sufficient for faith and practice and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is sufficiently clear. Perpiscuity, that word should be in the glossary of words. It is just a big word for the clarity of Scripture. Psalm 19.18 The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testament of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Okay? That's me. And Scripture says that it will make me wise. I'm simple. It is clear. Your word is a lamp. It gives light to my feet and a light in my path. The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Habakkuk 2.2 The Lord said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. He didn't say hide it. He said write the Scripture, make it plain. You have something more sure than the prophets even did, or than the Holy Word. You have the prophetic Word which you would do well to pay attention to, Peter wrote to his people. You have the prophetic word that is more clear that can be understood. Scripture is accessible. Scripture is accessible to all men in contrast to tradition or church teaching. 
In other words, if you've got tradition, you've got to have an entity that hangs on the tradition and puts it out. Okay? You've got to have an entity that, that keeps the tradition. Scripture, we all have. Right? It contains God's Word. Look at you know, Luke 3, I like it. says, It seemed good to me also, having followed all the things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis. I need to make the story of Jesus Christ accessible to you. I'm going to write it down, Theopolis. And that's the reason this Scripture is, is accessible to all men. We can interpret it into language, or it can be translated into language that we can understand. So, the Scripture is the sole and final authority for faith and practice. It is the ultimate authority for doctrine and life. Scripture contains all the words of God He intended His people to have at each stage of redemptive history, and that it now contains everything we need God to tell us for salvation, for trusting Him perfectly, and for obeying Him perfectly. So the Scripture contains all we need to know for salvation, all we need to trust Him, and all we need to obey Him. So will Scripture are. Thanks for your patience. Any, any quick questions? Yes, sir. More, more of a comment than yep. a question, but you know, it was coming up earlier, this idea of going off on individual interpretations. Mm-hmm. And I, if we go back to what Martin Luther said, um, I, I really I think it speaks to that. He said, unless I am convinced by the evidence of Scripture yep. or by plain, plain reason. Plain reason. And it's interpreting the Scripture. Plain reason, looking at the scriptures, you know, those things that, that we talk about where someone takes or twists the scripture and goes off in their own direction, That's right. usually it's going outside of plain reason. It's taking it out of right. context like the verse in Philippians. It's right, if someone says, I, you know, I know no one in the church has understood scripture this way in the last 2,000 years, but I've got a different spin on it, might want to take a look at that spin, all right? And he might want to also. Right. You know, the context of the paragraph, the context of the book, or the context of the theology of that particular... I mean, Pauline it, theology is very clear. That's right. Of righteousness is only by faith alone. And, and, and that's what caused Luther some that's problems right. because here's a, here's a statement that says, you know... Here in James... saved by works. Right. And the thing is... What, what, what saves us is it, it's accessible. Every one of us can take this, this book right here. We can apply sound principles, read it in context, and we can see what God's Word says. And we can apply it to every aspect of our life and to our understanding. So I'm going to stop here and uh, we'll let the class go because I know we've got the teaching hour coming on. And uh, thank you for attending and come for the next three weeks.